Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. And we're going to be sharing and trying to concentrate on, um, I guess, the shared challenges and commonalities um, and sharing of experience that's of interest. So it's, it's, it's of strong interest to us, even in Australia, to understand what's happening in the EU around privacy, for instance. Similarly, um, the sharing of knowledge and experience around AML and financial crime. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slesher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Magazine and the GRC Professional Online. And today, once again, we have Naomi Burley, our Managing Director at the GRCI. Hi, Naomi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, So this week, we are going to be talking about the International Federation of Compliance Associations, as well as an update on the International Compliance Standard. Um, so I thought since the one of the last of one of the I think that's the point of view event we had earlier this year was focused on the international compliance standard and where we were with it at the time when we talked about it being a certifiable standard and etc. So I guess it'd just be useful to know what are the timelines um, for the standard at this point. Okay. Um, well, where we are at is that um, commenting, receiving comments on that that draft that we were talking about at the time with the point of view forum has closed and we are um, now moving into the hardcore preparations for an online zoom meeting. So we would have been meeting around this time um, in person, uh, but we're um, obviously going online zoom at the end of August and GRCI I has been actively putting together um, our feedback and considering all the other feedback that was circulated as well from other countries um, to that draft standard. Now, what what happens in ISO land is the funny thing. It, it kind of it gets voted on as approved. So what that means is that everybody agrees that there's no fundamental core issues where we have to go back to the drawing board, but we will discuss the comments and input from people to do editorial on it still. Um, so we'll be doing that in about two weeks' time. So it looks like the timeline has not been uh, too upset by the, I guess, the current coronavirus situation. No, surprisingly, um, ISO jumped immediately on changing all meetings over to um, teleconference slash, you know, some kind of electronic means. And they yep. always have that facility anyway, because there are some countries that simply can't travel to the meetings every time. Yep. Um, but it just means that 100% of us will be participating online, which is going to be a, a different experience. Um, because one of the nice things about going to the meetings is getting the informal, you know, the thing that everyone's missing during this COVID thing in the compliance space is getting that informal input and understanding of um, the context for a lot Mm -hmm. of the other participants on the committee and why they might be concerned about a particular wording or, you know, the nuances of what it means in their home country. Um, So we won't have the opportunity for that, sadly. Um, So it'll be a It'll be much a much drier affair, I think, and a little bit less informed. But thankfully, we've had a couple of those sessions where we've been able to get to know some of the other people and why their perspective is a particular way, which is which is always interesting. Right, right. And, and can I just ask you again, what is the timing for the standard? Just to remind audiences. Yeah. 
So, so we'll just we'll discuss this draft and the comments and yep. uh, make editorial changes. It goes back to Switzerland. They agree or disagree. There are some some rules around standards, so that the standards are standard. If that makes sense. Yep. Um, and there are some changes we are simply not permitted to make. Um, yep. There is some, you know, and then when they've got their lexicon of agreed definitions at an international level, because this standard will appear in French and English only. Um, then uh, we can't sort of substitute other words for the same thing or, or do anything sort of too creative out or out there. Uh, it goes back to Switzerland. They'll play around with that editorial, agree or disagree uh, with what can be included from us and then reissue one more um, draft. Now, I believe that that draft then goes to public comment and we pull, pull in all those comments on a fairly short timeline because the next meeting is November. Right. Um, and uh, so it's a pretty short timeline for the next round of commenting. And the November meetings are very critical one where we um, have to take up those comments or not take up those comments um, and incorporate those and then reissue for one last um, consideration round. So there's quite a few points in time where people can comment and give, in, give input, but obviously the further we go down the road, um, if there's a really glaring issue, it, it becomes more, more and more difficult to rectify. Um, we are trying to be really, really careful with this because it is going to a certification standard and because for the first time, the standard itself will have that appendice at the back, which is meant to assist organisations who've never implemented a program before. Yeah. Um, whereas the, the first part, once upon a time, the standard was written in a way to assist implementation as well as evaluation. Mm. Um, but the certification standard is less um, instructional for implementation in the body of the standard and yep. we've tried to incorporate that in the appendices with some examples from different countries or the way some people do it. And, and in that appendice, that means you don't, it, it, that's not what you're certified against. These are just the way people have solved these problems. And, and um, if you don't do it that exact way, you don't lose any sort of, um, any sort of credibility that you would if, you, if you're simply not achieving the minimum set in the, in the first half of the standard, in the body of the standard. Um, so there's, there's quite a bit of work going into that from Australia in particular because of our experience with implementing these and, and having developed the first compliance standard and our understanding of where people come a cropper trying to implement a program. Um, so we're putting in quite a bit of effort on the appendice this round of commenting. All right. Well, another thing that's happening in November, as we were talking about before we started recording, is the conference for the International Federation um, Compliance Federation of Compliance Associations, of which we are a part of. Yes. Uh, yes. So, and originally, yeah. when it was suggested, it was it was hoped that we'd actually have um, an issued ISO standard. Yeah. Uh, that 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 we could talk about in a bit more detail won't be quite there yet. It doesn't get signed off officially until 2021, I believe. Um, but, but I stand to be corrected. I will find out for sure after this <laughs> meeting, whether they're sort of rushing the deadline um, forward. But yes, so that will be from the 16th to the 20th of November. Um, and something that 
all of the associations involved in IFCA will be contributing to. So it actually should be a very, very interesting virtual event. So um, I'm not sure how far along the, the program is at this point, but I guess what are some of the potential issues that might be discussed at the event, um, seeing that we'll have that international flavour? Well, you're right in that, that we haven't sort of cemented down every single aspect of the program at the moment, but it's going to be run virtually for about two hours to a maximum of three hours per session, probably around the two hour mark over five days. And we'll switch around the time zones so that different um, uh, member associations members won't have to be up in the middle of the night all the time, as well as obviously providing recorded links for those of us who can't stay awake till 2am. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be sharing and trying to concentrate on, um, I guess, the shared challenges, some commonalities, um, and sharing of experience that's of interest. So it's, it's, it's of strong interest to us, even in Australia, to understand what's happening in the EU around privacy, for instance. Similarly, um, the sharing of knowledge and experience around AML and financial crime, especially during COVID. Um, mm -hmm is very, very valuable. So I think there'll be a couple of us uh, contributing on those kind of shared topics um, and getting a real sense for the challenges that different countries face and uh, what they are learning from them in their particular, particular um, cultural and compliance maturity contexts will be yeah. really, really interesting as well. So yeah, trying to find the stuff that's uh, across common interests or the, or the things that have really good stories because obviously some of us share a similar legal structure like Ireland and Australia, um, yeah. whereas others are completely different. So even with those that are completely different, those jurisdictions that are completely different, um, I mean, over the years, you know, we've, we've had a few of these conferences. I mean, have there been a few commonalities that have stuck out to you? Well, every year, as, as you point out, every year what IFCA tries to do is uh, whoever the host country is for a strategy session, they'll attach it to their conference. So we get to attend their international conferences. So it's very, very uh, valuable to compare what's going on in those countries. And every single country has its own unique challenges. Um, last year's in South Africa was really fascinating because of their economic struggles and unemployment struggles and, and, and sort of the cultural shifts and challenges that were going on um, when you're dealing with um, a particular kind of corruption mm. um, and that they spoke about quite a bit at that conference. And they had, interestingly, they had two Australian um, experts speaking at that conference and giving their perspective on um, some interesting trends. Um, so, so that was really interesting to think about the, the challenges for compliance in a culture that um, is, is so um, hamstrung by um, particular kinds of corruption. Similarly, yeah. when, um, when we visited Argentina, their focus on um, dealing with uh, money laundering and other kinds of financial crime is completely about that cross-border criminal activity and eradicating um, drug trafficking. So, and it's really, really important economically, again, for their country to eliminate that as much as possible to encourage international trade. So it's, it's imperative, um, it's tackled in a different way, but it's a day-to-day -day reality for people because people die um, yeah. in Argentina over, over um, drug trafficking and money laundering. So it's, um, 
it's a, you know, then you sort of come back to cosy Australia and you go, oh, you know, we don't have a problem. And, and I guess this is why where a lot of Australians don't relate to um, some of the rules around AML and financial crime because, yeah. um, uh, because it doesn't seem quite as real. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but I think from our discussion that members have listened to before this particular podcast on the AML and financial crimes um, wrap up, we'll see that some of these issues are very real for us as well. Um, just a little bit quieter, I think, from a sanctions perspective and the modern slavery perspective. They're not stealing, um, they're not standing headlines in the paper and yeah. you're not dealing with, um, you're not dealing with judges being gunned down in the street. Yeah. It's, but, but it doesn't mean that it isn't happening and it doesn't mean that our financial institutions aren't being used by criminals to launder funds. Uh, it yeah. just means that we need to be vigilant in a different kind of way. All right. Excellent. Well, I think that's pretty much all we're going to be discussing today. Um, anything, I guess one more thing that's coming up since we're on the topic of conferences, um, um, plug alert, um, obviously before the IFCA conference, uh, we would have had our GRC conference by that time as well, um, looking at GRC as an asset. Um, so any updates, I guess we want members to know about um, who are going to be very excited to attend our conference virtually. That's right. That's right. They were, you know, I mean, we all, some of us want to leave the comfort of our own homes a bit more than others, but, um, <laughs> but you won't be for this one. Um, look, we're still firming up, but, but uh, a lot of the regulators have responded now um, and saying that they will be in attendance. Uh, Sean Carmody has been able to be confirmed from APRA. And we're just waiting to get the absolute um, speaker confirmation from the other regulators, but they've all very keen to participate, yep. which is always great news. Um, and we're working on selecting our keynote speaker for day one at the moment, as well as um, confirming a few other uh, speakers for day two. But that's sort of also um, coming together very much around uh, some really hot topics like in the responsible lending space, um, what's happening with whistleblowing and delving a bit more into the privacy um, issues, both, you know, that were ongoing and those emerging from um, the business adjustments we've had to make during COVID for, for a yeah. lot of organisations. Uh, speaking of responsible lending, uh, before I forget, um, I don't know, members who are listening to this podcast will know that um, ASIC is actually doing some kind of workshop in that responsible lending space. I think it's about three hours. And what I'll do is I'll put those details in the show notes once this podcast is published. That's around the, um, that's around the supervisory tech and reg tech testing space. So yeah. they've had the data sets up. Um, so yeah, that should be a really, really interesting event. Um, and one that I don't know if a lot of our members log into those ones because they don't identify themselves as RegTech, but, but I highly recommend attending them because we're actually talking about the technology that ASIC will deploy to supervise you in the space. So you want to get a heads up on how clever that's going to be and the kind of things it's looking for and um, the kind of learnings that it's already picking up. 
All right, so we're already in the month of August and we've touched on a, a number of topics there. We've touched on the, the updates and compliance standard. We looked at the upcoming IFCA conference. Um, we plugged our own conference, which people definitely should attend. And um, obviously mentioned the responsible lending a workshop from ASIC. Uh, I guess, do we have any sort of message or advice to our members um, who are you know, still fighting it through the year, hoping that things get a bit easier? Just, you know, hang in there. I don't think it's going to, you know, get any quieter. Uh, Parliament might not be sitting, but the regulators certainly aren't, um, certainly aren't being shy and yep. um, are very, very busy. Yep. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Naomi, and hope to have you again on the podcast soon. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute and the music was produced by Rob Neary.